never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that believes... But the true test of a person is how they treat NPCs when no one is watching. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. How's it going? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, that <laughs> that NPC comments kind of blowing my mind because there's always the there's always the debate about like are we living in a simulation right now and depending on who you talk to some people think <laughs> odds are actually in the favor of the fact that we live in a in a simulation but yeah. then you have to start wondering who among us is actually an NPC you know who you know which members of your family and friends and stuff are actually NPCs and you really don't know it's a really well, really dark road to go down if you actually start thinking about that stuff it, it is a dark road and after i talk to my sim friends i'll let you know um, <laughs> right on <laughs> um at any rate um I am freshly back from vacation, a well-deserved rest. Um, yeah, how was it? The change of scenery is exactly what I needed. Um, awesome. It was it was fantastic, man. Um, I'm going to tell you, first off, first off, first and foremost, I need to give a mad shout-out to United Airlines because they made everything super smooth <laughs> both, <Okay>, directions. Nice. <laughs> both directions. Orlando Airport. Sorry, guys, I know you're listening, but you guys really need to get a little more organized. <laughs> no, uh, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely not the airline's fault. It was just, no, it was more like they'd make an announcement and I'd be like, can you either talk like a normal human being or take the food out of your mouth before you talk? Like you couldn't understand them over the loudspeaker. I'm like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> that's that's like, great. Did, did you say my gate's at a different gate? Like, I don't, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, otherwise, otherwise everything went really great. Uh, the hotel was awesome. We were right in between. If you've been to Disney... We stayed on property, so we were at the Dolphin Hotel, which a lot of people know it as the Dolphin Swan, but it's two hotels, so it's the Swan Hotel and the Dolphin. Okay. Um, we stayed at the Dolphin Hotel, which is walking distance. When I say walking, we're talking like a five-minute walk each direction to Hollywood Studios or Epcot. Or, okay. nice. Or there's a lake, and you get on a boat, and the boat takes you to where you want to go. Um, <laughs> so if I don't feel like walking, I can get on a boat. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> which is cool, and the boats are free as long as you're staying at the hotel. And um, we're we're within the boardwalk interchange, so like you walk out of the hotel and you're on the boardwalk, and you're just yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Epcot was Epcot. If you've never been there, it's you're drinking around the world and you know doing some technical stuff. There was some really cool attraction stuff there, like a test track. Uh, 
um, the sorry, the Chevy test track, which was cool. Uh, you got to ride in it like it's designed to like as you're sitting in a test car and they're taking you around a track at like 70 miles an hour. Open can. Nice. Pretty cool. Um, and then the uh, the big one that I really liked was the soaring around the world ride, which was like it's one of those motion rides where you're in like a uh, hang glider and they lift you 40 feet of, oh, okay. up the air. And then you're in a, like in front of this massive screen and you're hang gliding over the world and you're going from area to area. So first you're in Mount Everest and then you're on like the oh, plains of Africa and then you're flying over London and France and you know what I mean? It's, it's a pretty cool uh, and they blow air in your face. So it's like actual wind and stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. Um, but, uh, I, I could talk to you all about that, but I know you guys want to hear about star Wars. That's the big thing. Um, <laughs> absolutely. The, um, the star Wars park was, um, it, it's the Mecca that we all wish we could, you know, we all want to go. Um, I'll tell you, there's this moment of, like you're walking in because it's this corn, it's the corner of Hollywood Studios, which is Star Wars, and you walk through this tunnel, and as you come through the tunnel, you come around the corner, and then it just kind of opens up. It's like that tunnel is like your transition from the real world into Star Wars. Yeah, and it's really cool how it's enclosed, and the thing that blew my mind about it was, you look off into the distance, like above the park. Like, you should see the rest of the park. You should see buildings that are, like, Earth-based. No, you don't. You see more Star Wars buildings or more Star Wars terrain. It, like, it looks like nice. it goes. And it's really immersive. And you also have to kind of get your bearings. Because if you don't read Orabesh and are not paying attention to the things that are pointed out to you, you might get a little turned around and they're like, wait, where's this again? Um, that was something I thought was really cool. Like, the Star Wars Cantina, finding it was like, wait, where's the cantina? And you had to like look at the map and figure out where you were. And um <laughs> I, I really I really enjoyed that because if you know you if you were just living in the world, you'd know that that's the bar, but you don't necessarily know it's the bar when you're walking up to it. Mm -hmm. Um the marketplace was really cool. It's just everything's designed as if you're living in it. It's so incredibly immersive. Um I'll be very honest, uh I started tearing up a bit when I saw the Falcon. Um, okay. and I've seen pictures of it like how they built it and how it's set up at the park, but seeing the Falcon for the like just in person, just you just said that wave of emotions at 40 some years of like loving this franchise and just wave of emotions of getting to see it. And then you go on the ride and you get to walk through the hallways and actually mm -hmm. go in the room where the chess table, the Dajaric table is. Mm -hmm. Sorry for the you, for you Star Wars fans, is the Dajaric table for. <laughs> So the non the non initiated it's the chess table at least you think that's what it's called um, and for a couple of you out there that's wizard's chest <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> but yeah I know you get to walk in that room and you get to walk down the hallway that leads to the cockpit and the ride you're actually sitting in the cockpit right um the ride is cool because you get assigned a position so you actually control it it's not like just a ride you actually drive the Falcon. Okay, nice. Uh, so, like, um, myself and my kid got the pilot seats. Um, so I got the Han Solo seat. He got the Chewbacca seat. Uh, and then the people, and then we got, you have your two gunners behind the pilots, and then you have your engineers behind the engineers. Okay. Or the engineers behind the gunners. So it's six people in the cockpit. And what happens is, is the buttons light up on the control panels, and you have to press them when they light up. So everyone has a job to do. 
and the pilots have joysticks that control the Falcon, and it's a yeah. motion simulator. So the Han Solo seat controls the left and right movements, and the Chewbacca seat controls the up and down movements. Uh, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> and then, so you actually have to work together to fly this thing, and I don't know <laughs> if it's like a set scripted ride, but if I banked left, it banked left. <laughs> yeah. So it was like it was really cool. And then um you have the the lever for the hyperspace and they tell you it's like time to jump to hyperspace and you grab the lever and you yank it back and you jump into hyperspace. <laughs> like nice. It's awesome, man. It was really like a, a childhood <laughs> a, adulthood dream. That's uh, awesome. The uh, the one thing and, you know, just walking around the park and looking at the cool stuff, whether it be the droids that are there, the land speeders or the park deck swings or whatever. It's just so, like, incredibly immersive. Um, the thing that I thought was really funny was the food, which you don't necessarily think about, but you don't entirely know what you're ordering. So right. you have like um, like I have the I screenshotted the menu for um the cantina they have like drinks such as the fuzzy tauntaun the jedi mind trick uh the bloody rancor the t-16 skyhopper the outer rim uh the degabus slug slinger the bespin fizz jet juice yub nub <laughs> um, <laughs> there's one called jabba juice i had the jabba juice um i had uh, my, my kid my kid tried the jet juice I just like that one of the one of the drinks is called Jabba Juice. Yeah. And uh, well, you were like, sign me up to have some of that. Right. Well, you have to go. You have to get reservations to go to the cantina. Yeah. Uh, and that's so this is the interesting thing about the park is they have they took away. You have to book your reservations for a lot of stuff. So if it's like a food related thing, like there's a lot of food stuff that you can just walk up, order and like walk away like a fast food kind of a thing. Um. So, like, if you just if you want, like, um, let's see, uh, like they have like popcorn stands and stuff like that, like in the parks, for for example. But they also have like regular food. Like there's a restaurant in the Star Wars park. I don't remember what it was called, um, but it had like in the center, like it had like seating and standing space. And it was like you walk up, place your order like your McDonald's and you stand over there. They hand you your order and then you go find your seat and sit down. Mm -hmm. um, and in the center of the restaurant. There is a massive pod racer engine hanging from the ceiling, blowing fire down and cooking the meat of whatever alien they call oh, cool. whatever. <laughs> and they have aliens spinning on the spigots. And you know, like, okay. it's, it's really clever. It's cool. It's really cool. Um, yeah. But like one of the items on the menu at that restaurant was the Ronto wrap. Right. Well, it's all Star Wars gibberish. So if you if you're like, what does it translate to Earth food? It's not 100 percent sure. <laughs> That's but, crazy. And you're looking at a picture of food, but it doesn't necessarily look like Earth based food. It looks like everything's off world. Ultimately, the Ronto wrap ended up being like a pita wrap with like a with like a cooked sausage and some cool vegetable like combination things. Mm -hmm really good but you're just like i don't know what i ordered <laughs> it sounds cool because it almost sounds to me like you're wandering through a foreign country and you're just ordering food and you don't quite know what it is but right. you kind of have to make do with what you get and i think that's a really cool level of immersion that 
it sounds like they captured there. I'm yeah. kind of really curious, how do people with food allergies <laughs> handle this well, whole situation? <laughs> I, that's it. You know what? I don't have any food allergies, so that's a great yeah. question. And I just didn't have to play that game. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure if you ask some, one of the staffers there that they'll actually help you out if you need it. But uh, for those that don't have to worry about that stuff, that sounds really really cool to be honest yeah. so um the um anyway the we i the reservation i was able to we were able to get for the cantina was uh at 8 30 in the morning um it's the only time slot we could get so we uh and that's and that's here's the thing star wars lifelong dream to be able to walk into that cantina and order a drink you know what oh, I mean? absolutely if I, if I couldn't get on any rides i had to go to the cantina it's that's that immersive thing the living in the world <laughs> that we all want to do so um that was my big thing that i had to do and um i i got to do it it was like the first thing like 8 30 in the morning you're walking in the cantina to order a drink it's like who cares day drinking i don't care um but i'm a big like like having an orange juice in the morning and the java mm -hmm. juice the description of it sounded like an orange juice kind of a thing and right. it didn't have any alcohol and i was like you know what it's early I need to have some sense of normalcy. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like crap today. <laughs> so um, I ordered that just because. And it was a really, like, fruity, like, orange juice kind of a drink. And it was really, really good. But mm -hmm. I was, as soon as I finished it, I'm like, okay, give me the jet fuel because that sounds good. And it was an alcohol drink, and it was it was pretty good. Okay, um, nice. The other side of it, if you when you leave the cantina and you're uh, walking around, right next to the droid builder shop, um, they have a stand selling blue milk and nice. you're going to live in the star Wars world. You got to try the blue milk because Absolutely. the star Wars rite of passage. So you can get it, uh, not alcoholic or alcoholic. Um, <laughs> so, um, my, my kid got the uh, non-alcoholic version and I got the alcoholic version. <laughs> um, and if you paid attention to last Jedi, uh, you can also get green milk. Um, let me tell you this. The blue milk was better. Um. <laughs> Interesting. That's what I was I was going to ask. Were they like freshly milking these, uh, you know, blue and green milks or did it come out of like barrels or how did the, it, it came out the of, setup? It came out of some kind of a dispenser and the dispenser in a sense reminded me of like a slushy machine dispenser, like a movie. <laughs> <theme. Okay>. But, <laughs> But um, that's you know, fine. I, it doesn't matter. I got to try the blue milk. It was actually really good. Nice. Um, the uh, but yeah, no. Ultimately, the whole experience was fantastic. Um, I highly, highly recommend going. It's just it was it was one part of the park that I didn't want to leave, and it wasn't because I didn't want to see other stuff. It's because like I just liked being in the world. That's awesome. Like you got to live in the world for like a day. You know what I mean? Like it's just I wanted to just not leave that area of the park. Um, I did not get the news Rise of Skywalker, uh, not Rise of Skywalker, Rise of the Resistance ride. Um, that one um, consistently had a three-hour wait um, throughout yeah. the day. And this is what I was going to bring up. They have, um, they, gave, they got rid of the Fast Pass system at Disney, and they have this thing called the Genie Plus. Right, um, right. <laughs> and now that I understand how it works, it's awesome. Like, it's oh, really, cool. really cool. Basically, what you're doing is, is it creates a level of farity, um, I guess is the best way of wording it. It's like, I have this, I paid for it for the day, and I can schedule the big things that I want to do. 
Okay. Like oh, you open up, I gotcha, I gotcha. Like you open up the app and I go, oh, I want to ride the Falcon. Boom, I was able to secure a spot on the Falcon. I can only get three o'clock. Cool. I'm riding the Falcon at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I got the fast lane on the Falcon within that time frame, within like a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know what I mean? The problem with Rise of the Resistance is every time I went to book it, it was always full. So we couldn't get Rise of the Resistance, but I'm okay with it because of the just the experience of being there um, was so much more valuable to me than just going on that one ride. Um, and I didn't want to wait three hours. I wanted to do other stuff with my kid because it's his first time at Disney. So I wanted to do stuff he wanted to do too. You know what I mean? So like he wanted to go to Toy Story Land and do some stuff over there, you know? So we had to, <clears throat> we had to cater to that as well. Um, right, but I right got... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I feel like at uh, theme parks, there's always one or two rides that you don't get to do. But as long as you were occupied and having a good time, the entire trip you know i think it's yeah, definitely yeah. worth it so yeah. uh but yeah keep keep going <laughs> um the uh the genie pass the reason i bring that up is because the uh you pay per day and it's 15 bucks a person so for us it was 45 dollars total per day um okay we got it you know what was cool about it though is like hollywood studios because of the demand of the rides because they're such high profile rides like the falcon and rise of the resistance you're only allowed two uh, fast lane passes a day. So <laughs> come on, it's, it's the genie plus pass. You got to get at least three. I mean, well, this, well, like, okay, because of the high profile and the high demand at that specific park, you're only allowed two. But the I mean, uh, but the if, it, if you're only allowed two, it should be the genie minus pat pass. Or, <laughs> right. That's how I feel. But the other parks. It's unlimited. Okay. Okay. As long, enough. but it's like, but you book one, and then like an hour later you can book another one, and then an hour later you can book another one. So you're creating an itinerary about the day, but you're in the same boat as every guest in the park, and that's where the level of fairity is. No one's like overpaying to do different stuff that keeps you from doing different. You know what I mean? Like it just, it creates this. Instead of like you're on, well, I'm buying a fast pass and just rushing past everyone and riding all the rides because I spend more money than you do. That's not how it works. It was more of a, do you know what I mean? Or does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it just felt like this level of fairity. I was like, cool, I'm going to go ride the Falcon now because it's my scheduled time to ride the fair, the, the Falcon. And then I was like, nice. oh, I'm go do this now because I was able to schedule to do this. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was awesome. Like overall, I I got out of town. I got away from everything. I got to go live in a world that I love for a little while. It was great. That's Um, awesome. Um, um, with, oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to ask a question because I feel like galaxy's edge, um, when it was like first getting hyped up and stuff, it just seemed so awesome. And, uh, since it's been open, I feel like you hear such mixed reviews like some people love it some people hate it but it sounds like you had a really satisfying trip and you felt like it was a worthwhile experience and stuff right yes and i'll tell you this the first time i went to disney was about 15 years ago and i was an adult and i had never been there as a child you know you and i didn't go when we were kids our parents didn't take us so i didn't go to adult my first experience there was as an adult and i walked around the world I walked around the park in this level of awe at the park because when you're in waiting in line for Pirates of the Caribbean, you're walking through 
like you're you first you go into Adventureland, which is decked out like you're walking through an Indiana Jones like <laughs> like you're walking through like the world of Indiana Jones and like you know yeah it's all like all the architecture and everything it's just an immersive like space and then you walk onto the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and you're in like like getting ready to dock on a ship and like there's cannons mounted and stuff like it's designed like you're walking through like a military fort within the Pirates of the World. Yeah. You get on the boat and you go on the ride. Um, The same thing goes with like when you're walking through the park and you're going into you're walking into Fantasyland, which is like your Snow White, your Rapunzel, uh, Beauty and the Beast, like, you know, that era. Mm -hmm. But when you walk in, the architecture changes. And you're like in the said world that these movies would take place. And the rides are very hidden, like they're either underground or they're built into the structures, so you can't actually see them. It's very clear where the lines for the ride start, but like you're in the world and dealing and living within the architecture as you do these things. So I was very in awe at that. And yeah. I think one of the reasons I was really excited about what was going on at the Star Wars park is because I knew that going into it, how like immersive people were talking about it. And you just walk in and you're just like a part of it, you know? Yeah. So, and that nice. was the big thing. That was the big thing for me. Like, yeah, there's the dude standing next to me wearing a Star Wars t-shirt waiting in line to get on whatever he's getting on. But <laughs> that wouldn't be in Star Wars. But everything else, you're just like, this is incredible. And you turn the corner and there's a shuttle docked for, you know, like, because it's been there the whole time and I didn't notice it. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just really cool how it's designed and set up. And they took some nice. real careful... Um, they t- they made they made sure they were really careful about how the whole park itself looks. It's it's just awesome. So that's awesome. Yeah. Overall, great trip. I mean, we could be talking about this forever, but I've already gone like 20 minutes on just on trip. So. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, gr- gr- glad to hear you had a great trip. Yeah, uh, it was great. Sounds uh, really. Cool, I will. So. <laughs> um, I've been really lazy since I got back, but I'll put some of the pictures from the Star Wars park up on my Instagram at some point. So. Um, cool. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Since I kind of started talking first, just to let you know, I did watch, I am caught up on Moon Knight, and I watched cool. the Stranger Things trailer. Did I watch anything else? I think that is it. Yeah, so for yeah, me... No, I, got, um, I got caught up on Minx, um, but I don't know if you're watching Minx yet. Um, I just, yeah, so I kind of got caught up on the TV stuff that I missed out on as opposed to movies. But I did watch Spider-Man No Way Home yesterday because the Blu-ray released, and I had to give it another watch, so... Nice. Um, yeah, for me, not really on purpose, but maybe somewhat. Um, I knew you were going to have a big Disney review this week, um, Disney World review. So I didn't watch a lot, um, which okay. kind of worked out for the best. Um, I'm caught up on Moon Knight as well. <laughs> and otherwise, I honestly have just been doing a lot of artwork. Um, I've mentioned a couple weeks ago that I'm working on this new, it's kind of like a new comic project, but it's kind of a reboot of a old uh, comic strip series that I was doing for a friend's website um, so many years ago. I'm kind of rebooting that and uh, feeling a lot of momentum with it. So that's really awesome. Um, And other than that, I've been watching uh, Ink Master a lot because a couple more seasons of that show dropped on Netflix. And um, that show, like, yes, it's a reality show, but I just like to watch it because I like to see the cool tattoos. And uh, sure. I don't know, I like uh, I like that style of competition reality show where it's like, go make something, you know, go craft something and then 
watched the critique of that. You know, it, it's actually pretty akin to uh, going to art school, to be honest. So um, that's mostly what I've been doing this week, though, is like watching a lot of Ink Master, drawing a lot and, uh, you know, catching up on Moon Knight. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Did you want to go into uh, Moon Knight now or did you oh, want to talk Knight. about Minx or where are you at? <laughs> Minx, Minx is just awesome. So if you haven't started watching the show, you need to. the show is so funny. Um, it's, it's just so good, but it's funny. It's really, it's such a good show. Um, uh, Moon Knight, I don't have a lot to say because it is such a roller coaster of a ride right now. Um, I, um, Oscar Isaac is an incredible, incredible actor playing the multiple personality stuff yep. and, um, trying to piece together as a viewer where things fall and like when certain things are this or, you know, who is he now? And like, just listening, just watching his performance is just awe inspiring. Um, Moon Knight, I've read a handful of Moon Knight, but not too much Moon Knight. So there's a chunk of stuff that are like, it's going over my head in terms of not familiar, not because just cause I'm not familiar with the comics on the level I could be. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of Egyptology in general. I think it's a really, really interesting religion and history. And I'm really, really enjoying, like, I know it's all part of the Moon Knight mythos, but I'm just enjoying how heavy they're being with the Egyptology on the show. Um, so yeah. Um, I just, it's great so far, but we're only three episodes in. So, you know, uh, we, <laughs> Absolutely. Got, we got more to go, you know, so. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know what it was, but the first episode of Moon Knight, I liked quite a bit, but I also felt I wasn't quite sure where I sat with the show. Like, I thought it was good, but I didn't know. I didn't know if I liked it or loved it sort of thing, but I think these new, these two newer episodes, they've just really stepped everything up and it just feels, it just feels like a really good show. Um, like you mentioned, like Oscar Isaac's performance has been just spot on, you know, while he's playing multiple different roles, um, in the same person's body. Like it's really cool how they're doing that. And, uh, I guess the other thing, like the show obviously has some really striking visuals with the uh, all the crazy supernatural stuff that's going on. But I actually think that a lot of the cinema cinematography choices, um, especially with like the different reflections and stuff they're using, um, is actually super interesting. You know, where you're, there's certain shots where you see Oscar Isaac's reflection um, in like a piece of glass, but then through the glass something is else is going on on the other side or there's like a lot of cool shots where it's like you see oscar isaac walking somewhere and the camera follows him but as the camera once he passes the camera the camera like turns upside down and there's just a lot of really striking visuals like that that i'm really really loving but i guess i'm kind of with you where i'm really enjoying the show. I just think, I think it's been really solid and, um, watch it while I've been watching these episodes, there's certain parts where I've been, where I feel like I, I have a nitpick coming on, but then as I watch <laughs> the scene play out, I'm just kind of like, Oh no, it makes sense why they did it this way. Like, uh, the one moment where they, all the different gods, like the avatars for all the different gods met, uh, yeah. within, I guess they said it was within the pyramids of Giza, when I saw that part, I was like, well, I mean, if it was actually the gods themselves meeting up as opposed to their human avatars, I felt like it would be such a 
much Ooh, more okay. visually striking scene. Yeah, but then um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but the way that that scene plays out, um, I think I think it was basically Oscar Isaac's balancing of multiple characters within within himself. The way that all played out, I was like, oh no, they had to do it this way where it was the avatars. Otherwise, that scene wouldn't have worked. So it's it's one of those things where. Every time I feel like I'm going to nitpick something, it ends up being justified, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah sense. I, I just think this show is really solid. And, yeah, it's, it's just been really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like I said, I don't have much to say right now just because of how it's going. I didn't pick up. And like I said, I don't know Moon Knight enough to pick up on crazy Easter eggs like I did that first episode with the possible Dr. Doom's castle. <laughs> Um, but you know, we'll see how the story plays through. Um, <laughs> absolutely. The other thing that, uh, we need to discuss is the stranger things trailer. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, if you haven't watched the trailer, stranger things trailer for season four, um, it is a, like, it's a treat, man. If you've been keeping up with this show, this show is going to just, it keeps getting more bonkers and it just, and which makes it cooler and cooler. And cooler. <laughs> um, <laughs> It definitely looks like they're bringing Dungeons and Dragons back to the table. Like there's a quick glimpse of them. Like a, I saw a guy leaning over a Dungeon Master screen. So I was like, cool, we're going to see him play some D&D again. Um, but this new villain, man, this new monster looking thing. Like, is, yeah, is, the, is this the uh, overlord of the upside down? Like what? You know what I mean? Like, what is this? Um, I cannot wait for Stranger Things. The show just looks amazing. So Yeah. Absolutely. The character that it looks like they're going to be focusing on as the big baddie for this season, he is honestly the most human looking out of all the other main villains for every season so far. But for some reason, he looks so much more creepy. And that's what I love. Like, yes, he he looks more human. He looks more familiar. But for some reason, that makes him look more frightening, which kind of really caught me off guard. Um, I actually just watched this trailer right before the show, and I was avoiding it a little bit because it's one of those things where I know I'm going to be, my butt's going to be in the seat. I'm going to be watching Stranger Things 4 as soon as it comes out. So it's kind of like, do I need to watch the new trailer for it? You know, I'm already sold on this. But after watching it, I'm really glad um, that I did because just, Everything looks like they're just upping the ante for everything. The visuals look amazing. Like, it looks super intense. Um, The way that all the characters are growing and uh, their relations to each other is uh, progressing and kind of where all these old characters that you've known and loved from the previous uh, the pre the previous seasons where they're at right now. It all seems to make sense, but it's also really interesting in that that way as well and it just looks like they're gonna really deliver on the show um one of the weird feelings i had while watching this trailer is that it almost felt like this was a sequel of a movie from like 10 years ago and i don't know (laughs) how to explain it but it felt like it's been so long since i watched stranger things 3 that i feel like it's been a decade or almost like at least half a decade since I last watched Stranger Things, but it just looked like one of those things where, what's that? I think it's because the kids grew up real fast and they didn't, I think they did not take into account the kids have to go through puberty while they shoot (laughs) the show. (laughs) I think that's part of it. I think another part is that 
if you watch the first season of Stranger Things, um, you can tell that the budget, like every season, keeps jumping. Where the first season felt like still felt a little bit independent to an extent. Right. And every season, the special effects and the cinematography and everything just gets bigger and better and stuff. And uh, I think that was part of it, too, where it's like it's like it's been so long since I've watched this. This is awesome that it's coming back. Everything looks like it's being handled right. But it also just feels way more big and epic. And uh, that was just really amazing. I also think um, I'm just going to touch on this shortly because this is starting to get into spoiler territory. But there's one shot of it looks like a bunch of like bat like or gargoyle like creatures are flying through the woods and they all start circling this really... uh, you know, this very shady looking, almost like haunted looking mansion. That was a weird like nod to gothic horror that I wasn't expecting to see in this trailer. <laughs> like I felt like that came out of a different movie. So it was kind of cool to see some unexpected imagery in this movie as well or in this trailer as well. Yeah, I when I saw them flying, I was like, oh, cool. The uh, the uh, demo dogs fly now. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it felt like something you'd see in like. like in Van Helsing or something like it didn't feel stranger things but that was cool because it's like okay they're doing some new weird interesting things this season as well yeah yeah and this you know the the trailer just looks awesome I can't wait for Mm -hmm. it it really just does Uh, (laughs) all right man we got a ton to talk about uh because we still have great discuss we have a lot of news so let's (laughs) let's let's move on um and hit some of this stuff. So let me hit some of the quick stuff. Um, uh, all right. I'm going to talk about my favorite story right up top, right up front. Um, I have been very clear about uh, Matthew Riley being uh, my favorite author of all time. Um, I own yeah. every book he's ever written. Um, he, because he, all of his books released in Australia first. And because of the way the release schedule works, they don't release in the United States until like almost a year after release. So like, I'm always reading them behind, but I don't have anyone to spoil them for me. So it's totally fine. (laughs) So I'm about to get his most recent book is about to arrive at the house, like in the next month. Um, So I'm excited. I'm really excited to read it, but he has been, he wrote and directed a movie for Netflix called interceptor. Uh, yeah, I remember you talking about this a long time ago, actually. Yeah, I remember. Br- yeah, I know. Uh, there's finally a release date for it. It's June 3rd. Um, oh, sick. Uh, there's not a trailer yet, but there's some images that got released online. Um, dude, I'm just really excited. Um, it's it's the first movie he's ever directed. Um, he's because as a writer, I'm not really concerned about like his quality of writing because he's my favorite author. So in terms of a script, I'm totally fine with whatever hit the page. Um, but he directed it, too. Um so that makes me wonder. But ultimately, June 3rd, I can't wait. Um, I'm just really excited. And the cool thing that I'm really excited about is, yeah, I kind of know what I'm getting into because I know the kind of writing he does, the style yeah. of writing. But this is also very fresh. It's very new. It's not connected to any franchises. These are all new characters. It's a new original story. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which has me really excited to go in not knowing anything and i have no problem going in blind other than the fact that i know who the lead actress is and the director (laughs) you know um that's nice so um yeah so i will definitely have a probably 
huge review on that when it finally comes out but yeah june 3rd so that's that's great i'll have to check it out when it comes out too and um yeah i mean since he is like your favorite author like fingers crossed this movie is successful because maybe he can start doing some netflix adaptations of some of his some of his other books and stuff like that you know you never know where this is going to lead yeah i know and that that could be really cool because he was supposed to he's got his it's called the Jack West series and I've talked about it before it's kind of like a modern day Indiana Jones he had um I guess ABC originally bought the rights to do it as like an hour-long drama mm-hmm. and then that fizzled away and as much as I would have loved to have seen it ABC should not be handling that series no offense to ABC but they're a little <laughs> too family friendly to handle that series that needs to be like a HBO or Showtime kind of a thing so yeah. um that's just my opinion or Netflix why not you know yeah uh, Netflix does seem to give their creators a lot of freedom so maybe that's a you know a bright way to look at it but uh, yeah, yeah. Right. um all right moving on um a Ted TV series will be coming uh from uh Seth MacFarlane um if you're, okay. a fan, if, you're a fan, if you're a fan of the Ted <laughs> movies you're getting a TV series it will be going to Peacock um, which makes me really curious because Peacock is kind of becoming, it's starting to like get some titles that are drawing it in my attention in terms of like, yeah. oh, yeah, Peacock. Okay. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed the first um, Ted film and Ted two had some amazing moments overall. It was okay, but it had some amazing <laughs> moments in it. Um, so I'm down to check out a show. Uh, Penn, if, if Mark Wahlberg's coming back, I'm down. So, yeah, um, absolutely. I think I think that's uh, it's got to be Mark Wahlberg. Otherwise, I feel like it might flop, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, Okay, Um, Margot Robbie, we talked about this guy is cast as Barbie in the Barbie movie. Yeah, yeah. This is another one we talked about a long time Uh, ago. It it includes Ryan Gosling will be playing Ken, uh, Sima Liu, um, who, you know, Shang-Chi, Kate McKinnon, American Ferreira. Um, they have just added Will Ferrell to the cast. <laughs> okay. Um, I, the, the cast is shaping up enough for me to go, I think I might have to see this movie. <laughs> I love um, Will Ferrell to end up being like it being the same as the Lego movie where he's actually like the kid's dad who's, uh, who's playing with the Barbies the whole time or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I just, it got, it grew my attention. I was like, Oh, Hey, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> All right. Peacock will also be getting Casper the Friendly Ghost, the live action series. That's crazy. We were actually if just you didn't watching. I didn't think I was uh, going to bring up Casper. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because we were just watching Casper <laughs> before, yeah, before recording kid, this podcast at my house. Because so. your kid's all into ghosts. Well, yeah, and it's funny because uh, I don't know if you remember this, but at the beginning, Dan Aykroyd actually has a cameo in Casper in his Ghostbusters costume. And uh, at that moment, my son was just like, Ghostbuster? (laughs) He seemed all shocked and excited, and it was great. But (laughs) Right. Um, Okay. The director of Sonic the Hedgehog wants to do a Super Smash Brothers movie. Why not? Why not indeed? <laughs> At this point, look, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie was pretty solid. And and as silly as it is, it 
really did justice to the game franchise. Um, he says, uh, nothing would make me happier than to just throw all the characters into a battle royale into a big Super Smash Brothers thing. Getting Mario and Sonic into the ring, I mean, everyone would be kind of dying for that, right? It's just a classic Sonic the Hedgehog 2 director, Jeff Fowler. Um, that's what he said. So he's right, though. Here's the thing. I Smash Brothers is a game franchise that I've never been able to wrap my head around, only because when I play it, I'm not 100% sure what I'm doing. And I feel like there should I feel like there should be more strategy to it. And it's really not just knock the characters off the platform. That's the strategy. But I feel like I'm button mashing more than I'm doing like combos and stuff. When I play the game, I'm just like, yeah, OK, it's a fighting game. But the cult fandom that surrounds that game is incredibly massive, more massive. than yeah. I, think I Like, it's insane how passionate these people are. But I honestly yeah. think if you really did do a Smash Brothers movie and people saw that Mario and Sonic were duking it out, you got $2 billion right there. Easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're looking at massive box office dollars. I'm just saying. Um, oh, you absolutely are. I'll keep going. <laughs> no, it's just as long as it doesn't suck. I just really think that if you did that right, wow, you'd like you're making a you're making bank. So. No, you're ma- you're making so much. Um, right. I think the uh, the question with a Smash Brothers movie is actually what's the lineup going to be? You know, is this going to be the original Smash Brothers lineup where it's like, you know, Mario, Donkey Kong, like a lot of the cartoony characters? Or are we going to get to the point where we are now where you have like Cloud and Salad Snake and <laughs> like all these realistic characters mixed in? And I don't know. It's. I think it's going to be closer to the original Smash Brothers lineup, but it could get really crazy, uh, especially depending on if they make sequels for this movie. And yeah. uh, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, just look at the current Smash Brothers lineup. It's absolutely insane for a fighting game lineup. And it's one of those things where this could be the new most ambitious crossover movie event of all time you know this might knock uh end game off that pedestal and i'm being dead serious they have the potential to do that so <laughs> right. we'll see where this goes yeah and you know in a world of um yeah in a world of end game and like crossovers and like every character you could possibly think of on screen that that'd be the one yeah um, absolutely <laughs> all right so a long time ago robert downey jr was in a movie called sherlock holmes right (laughs) and then he did a movie called sherlock holmes 2 uh something in the shadows or whatever i don't remember what the title is Um, okay robert downey jr um is a set to be in sherlock holmes 3 but he's also going to be producing two sherlock holmes television shows for hbo max and there's no word yet if they are going to connect to or replace the Sherlock Holmes three. But essentially, Robert Downey Jr. is building a Sherlock Holmes universe for HBO Max. Um, I mean, it sounds like a cool idea. They have the uh, source material to build this off of. And I don't know if there's a demand for this, but I mean, it seems like a doesn't seem like a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Where are you sitting with this? <laughs> I, I just I don't know. I I just I. I was kind of surprised. I was like, okay, but at the same time, why not? You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one, um, made me laugh. I don't really have a lot to say. And I don't know if you do, but the, I imagine this, if you will, Jim Carrey said he would do an Ace Ventura three. If Christopher Nolan directed it. 
Um, <laughs> Jim Carrey says, and I quote, if Christopher Nolan came to me and said, I want to make Ace Ventura real and I want to do something, you know, something more interesting, then I might listen. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so I don't make Jim make Ace Ventura not funny. I don't know. Um, that made me laugh a little bit. Like, I don't know if Ace Ventura needs to be that artsy. Um <laughs> But, I think this is just a case of Jim Carrey being really weird and kind of be. like a, a way of saying I don't want to do another Ace Ventura movie, but I'm going to phrase it in this weird way that will never happen and just leave it up in the air like that. I don't really yeah. know. Yeah. Um. Did you see the movie Hancock? Oh, yeah, but it's been, a long, and it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Will Smith, Charlie Theron. It was meant to be like a superhero movie, but not franchise so not marvel not dc kind of its own yeah um the movie i thought was horrible like literally like they didn't it's like whoever put it together is like go make a superhero movie but you can't do the main franchises you got to do your own thing i just feel like it didn't they didn't understand the assignment and they just didn't understand what superheroes are um and i felt like i think it was was, it was supposed to kind of be like have a bit of a meta critique on the whole superhero thing too but I see where you're coming from. I feel like it had some interesting concepts, but yeah, maybe wasn't executed yeah. super anyway, well. But uh, because of that, Charlize Theron, I feel like is kind of veered away towards that kind of movie. And she hasn't been in the spotlight in a really long time. This has me scratching my head big time. Um, HBO Max to develop an Aqualad origin story. OK, uh, you brought me to the ocean with Charlize Theron as a producer. Um, Weird. Okay. Based off of You Brought Me to the Ocean, which is a young adult graphic novel about the origins of DC's Aqualad. Um, The live action one hour drama is based on characters from DC and the graphic novel by Alex Sanchez. Uh, The series will explore the life of Jackson Jake Hyde, a gay teenager living in New Mexico. All his life, he has had a strange attraction to the water and yearns to escape the desert surroundings of the ocean. And he explores his abilities, including breathing underwater and controlling water. He also finds himself falling in love with his classmate, high school uh, swim captain, Kenny Liu. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't, this doesn't sound like a DC, like, it's like, okay, it's a DC book titled You Brought Me to the Ocean, but this description doesn't sound DC at all. I don't, and I don't know the book, <laughs> so I feel really weird saying that, but I'm like, this doesn't sound at all like what i don't 100 percent know what i read like i feel like so, so much of that it's like one of these things doesn't belong kind of like that sesame street game one of these things is not like the other like right. I, you know there's so much in there that i'm like wait what charlie theron's going to produce this thing about a gay high school student which is i mean that's fine and then it's going to be aqualad but wait what's happening at like i don't <laughs> yeah and i don't follow aqualad as a character so i feel bad for saying that i just there's so much there for me to like unpack and I don't know well, a lot about it. Well, I, I actually just looked it up just to make sure. Um, but yeah, Jackson Hyde, um, it looks like was the Aqualad that was in uh, the Young Justice series, who okay. I actually thought had a really cool, compelling backstory. But And I agree. I, I'm pretty sure he was Black Mana's son, right? And he that was. was like a big aspect, which it doesn't sound like this show has anything to do with that. <laughs> Which is really weird, but I also don't know if it's like the the description you just read isn't really what the show is completely about, 
like it's it's still true, but it's not like the entirety of the show. But it's written in a way that they think is going to be marketable for the non comic book person. I'm not really sure. This is this is coming from Variety. Um, Yeah. Well, they definitely talked to someone over at DC or HBO Max or whatever. It just the description just there's so much to unpack there. And I'm like, if you're doing that specific version of Aqualad, I I hope you touch on Black Mana's son. Is this going to connect yeah. to the Aquaman we already know? Like, what are we, like, looking at, you know? So, yeah. I I don't know. Um, I just thought it was a weird story to read through because I don't know if I fully understand everything they were wanting to discuss. So. <laughs> right on. <laughs> it's probably uh-huh. one of those things where once a trailer comes out, we're going to know, you know, what the feel of the show is going to be. But, yeah, it sounds, um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds kind of uh, random at this point. But, yeah. Um, okay, two more stories, and then we'll talk about tonight's list. Um, okay, it looks like, breaking news, Warner Brothers CEO Ann Sarnoff is resigning after the Discovery merger. Okay. This is huge, because Ann We knew Sarnoff, some shakeups shake were coming, right? We knew some shakeups were happening, and I, want, and I seriously wonder if this is a forced resignation, where Discovery is like, we want you out. Um, let's see. Warner Brothers noted in a statement that Sarnoff's role will not be filled with an exact replacement when the combined film um, unveils its new leadership after the deal officially closes in April. As Zaslav looks to hit the ground running at Warner Brothers, Discovery speculation has intensified about which executives may be enlisted to be at its top lieutenants. Um, this sounds like this is a and Sarnoff force out because of what she did to the Snyder cut and um, her basically trying to blackball the most, one of the most successful comic book films of all time that, Hey, sorry, Ann Sarnoff won an Oscar. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I love, I found this tweet from the Snyderverse movement, which look, you and I are both members of the Snyderverse movement as far as I'm concerned, because we praise it and we want more of it. Absolutely. This, This made me this tweet made me laugh. It said, here is a promise. If Warner Brothers let Zack make Justice League Part Two and it bombs as hard as these other DC movies have since they pushed them out in 2017, you will never hear us again. That's how confident we are of Justice League Two's success. Green light it. Nice. That's awesome. And I'm like, you know know what? You are dead on. (laughs) Yeah. Because I guarantee after the success of the Snyder Cut, that film would make so much money. Like, it will drive people out. And you have people like Ann Sarnoff who don't believe in it, and she needs to go. So um, I was I thought that was really good news that she's on her way out. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird to say. But, yeah, I think it uh, it does sound like – it sounds like the Discovery merger is making um, – it's like forcing Warner brothers to focus more on like what's, what kind of movies are they going to make to make money as opposed to the inner studio politics, if that makes sense, like whether they like certain directors or not and stuff like that, like how they're going to fund their projects. That's my like vague way of kind of saying what it feels like to me. So, (laughs) right. Um, Okay. Uh, This is, I know, I know I said the Matthew Riley uh, inner Inter, uh, scepter story was my favorite of the night but this might actually be my favorite one of the night we have not had a science story in a while so i went looking for a science story to talk about tonight and this one is does not disappoint 
NASA to test a massive slingshot for launching satellites into space. (laughs) Yeah, why not? (laughs) Um, Yeah, why not? The company's enormous suborbital mass accelerator, which is larger than the Statue of Liberty, for measure, uses a rotating carbon fiber arm to launch a vehicle into space. According to Spin Launch, its orbital accelerator uses speeds up to 5,000 miles an hour to rotate the arm around a 300-foot diameter steel vacuum chamber. This method slingshots the vehicles containing small rocket or satellite into space and does so in a very fuel-effective way. This is how Spin Launch explains its more environmental approach to shooting satellites into space. And they say... By doing so, 70% of the fuel and structures that make up a typical rocket can be eliminated. The company leverages existing industrial hardware and com- and commonly available materials to construct the innovative accelerator system, achieving hypersonic launch speeds without the need for any fundamental advancements in material science or usage of emerging technologies. After after a seating above the stratosphere, a small, inexpensive propulsive stage provides the final required velocity for orbital insertion and positioning. Through this unique approach, Spin Launch is providing a fundamentally new way to access space. So I really feel that this was someone at NASA watched way too many Roadrunner cartoons and said, how do we make that for our rockets? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, there is a picture of the spin launch. It looks like a giant, like, spool of something online. Um, I was looking at the picture, and I'm like, I'm not 100% sure what I'm looking at. It almost looks like the, like, the big wheel vehicle that General Grievous drove in um, Revenge of the Sith. But okay, yeah, I'm looking at giant, it right now. Just this giant rotating, like, <laughs> just launch the thing into space. That just sounds really funny and awesome at the same time. <laughs> well, I, I actually see, I found a, there's a diagram of kind of how it's going to work. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of like a slingshot. I don't really know how to <laughs> right. even describe. Like, it's kind of like, I've seen slingshot-like things that look like this, but I don't know what, you know, how to phrase it. But uh, it sounds like an idea that you would think... Yeah, I mean, kind of going along with the cartoon concept, it sounds like an idea you would come up with as a kid. And then it's one of those like, well, why don't they do that? And it looks like they're finally doing that. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, But yeah, so that's yeah, I, that's all I got for news. But it just made me laugh when I saw that uh, we're going to be launching things into space as opposed to using jet fuel. Um, I mean, let's throw some more stuff up there. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We haven't polluted space enough already, so Uh, yeah. (laughs) We went a little long, but I knew I had a Disney review for you, so I knew that was going to happen. But let's talk about tonight's list, shall we? Sure Um, thing. So, all right, man, do me a favor. Well, actually, do me a favor. Let's just roll the thing. Top five. Peter. Here yes. We go. So in light of the news about Bruce Willis having to retire from acting because he is um, has asphasia and uh, can no longer communicate, uh, he can't read, write. Um, 
um, acknowledge words when speaking to him. He can't articulate words when he's talking. Um, it's really a sad thing, and it's a terrifying thing when I realize, I'm like, oh, my God, this is a thing that can happen to me. Um, that's absolutely terrifying. Um, and it just it saddens me a little bit that we're no longer going to get Bruce Willis movies. And I think this would be a perfect time to discuss the Bruce Willis uh, library of film. Um, I found this list. I, I There's a couple movies on here that we've talked uh, heavily about. So I don't think I need to go in too depth of detail on some of their. Yeah. Um, and I expect us to match a little bit. Um but going through the list, I've seen 45 of Bruce Willis's movies. Um, I I say that movies because, like, you know, he was in Friends, so I saw that. But, you know what I mean, just just the films in general, I've seen 45 of the movies. <laughs> so. Right on. I actually didn't, I actually didn't uh, count this time, but um, I've seen some of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some. I, I forgot to do a count this actual time, so. Sure. Um, so... Uh, this was my pick, so you kind of got to go first. I do have two honorable mentions. I didn't find the list that hard to put together. Um, I don't know about you, though, so. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. It was a pretty easy list to put together. Um, I have two as well, but it's kind of one of those things where, like, I kind of know the Bruce Willis movies that I really like. Uh, there's a couple that almost made my list and didn't, and maybe those will come into conversation later on. But uh, yeah, I guess we can just go from there. Um, I can hop into my first one, unless you have any more general comments or anything Uh, like that. Sure. Um, How about this? Uh, Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay, (laughs) cool. Yeah, sorry. So my first... Just just a quick uh, brain fart there, but yeah, no, go ahead. I just got (laughs) that invitation. Give me a a minute. (laughs) So. Um, so my first pick, um, I went with uh, Planet Terror from uh, the Grindhouse movie. That's uh, right. Robert Rod- Rodriguez's uh, movie entry into that double feature. And um, uh, Bruce Willis played Lieutenant Muldoon in this film. And uh, the reason why this is just an honorable mention, because I I know he was he had a decently big premise or presence as far as one of the military leaders in this movie. But I don't know that I feel like he was the main character. Um, I feel like he had a bit of a smaller role, but um, looking up uh, images and stuff of this movie online, I kind of forgot about this, but by the end of the movie, he actually has like a really grotesque uh, sort of mutated makeup job going on. And it's, it was just kind of one of those things where I was like, man, I really want to rewatch that movie because that looks really awesome. So this is more of just like, I love Planet Terror and uh, Bruce Willis is in it, but it's not specifically his performance that makes me love this movie. So that's why it's just a honorable mention. So, yeah. Nice. Um, so, yeah, uh, Planet Terror, like that's of the Grindhouse films. This is one that I always I keep telling myself to sit down and watch again. Um, I just feel like in between the two of them. Yeah, I really like Death Proof because, you know, it's Tarantino, but. Um, I really felt like this one was the more fun one. <laughs> of the, of the two. <laughs> I, I think I think Death Proof is a better film, but this one's yeah definitely more fun to watch and off the walls and kind of more of a joke in a in yeah. a way. Even though Death Proof is kind of a joke too, but it yeah. is what it is. So. And I for, and until I was doing the list, until I was going through the short list and looking at all the movies he was in, I forgot that he was in Planet Terror. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, <laughs> All right, so my first honorable mention is The Whole Nine Yards. Um, nice. 
this movie is just so much fun. Bruce Willis is a retired mafia hitman. Is he retired? I haven't seen the movie in a while. I don't remember if he's retired or just gets lumped into a whole nother thing going on, but it's Bruce Willis, Matthew Perry. You got Amanda Pete in it. You got, you know, Michael Clark Duncan and uh, Jerry Ryan. Jerry Ryan? Is it? No, not Jerry Ryan. Natasha Hendridge. Um, Kevin Pollock's in this. Kevin Pollock is fantastic in this movie. Um, but, like, it's just this great all-star cast and then hilarity ensues because Bruce Willis yeah. is trying to get away and he befriends, you know, Matthew uh, Perry. And there are some funny gags in the movie that you see coming a mile away <laughs> and you can't help but to laugh out loud. Um, there's uh, the scene where Matthew Riley and Matthew, Riley, Matthew Perry from Friends runs into the glass door. Um, you see him, he exits the glass door, runs across the yard to the other house, does something in the house, comes running back, and you see it coming. He's going to hit the door, and bam, he hits it, and you can't help but to laugh, even though you've seen, like, you're like, I know it's going to happen. <laughs> um, it's it's awesome. The um, There's a line in the movie that I say all the time. A, no one ever gets the reference, and B, no one ever laughs at it the way I do. Um when I order a burger at like a restaurant, one, I don't like mayo on my burger. So I always say no mayo. Some restaurants serve it with mayo. Some restaurants don't. But I always make sure I say no mayo. Um, in the movie, The Whole Nine Yards, um, Bruce Willis orders the burger and he says no mayo. And when they say, well, we always put mayo on it. And he goes, look, I understand. It's, he makes a joke about it being a Canada thing. Um, because part of the movie takes place in Canada and every time, like when I do it, if I get questioned, like you don't want mayo in your burger, I'm like, yeah, we're not in Canada. <laughs> I always make nice. it, no offense to Canadians, but it's always a reference to that, um, that part in the movie and no one ever gets it. I'm just I'm like, whatever. Um, but that's okay. Uh, no, whole nice. Nine awesome, awesome movie. Really, really fun too. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's. That's a really great one. It's been a long time since I watched this. I remember it being really funny, but I'm definitely due for a rewatch because it's been a long time. But uh, yeah, great not, pick. I did not like the whole 10 yards very much, but the whole nine yards was great. Um, you know, I, I never saw the whole 10 yards. I kind of forgot that they did that movie. So that's okay. a, that's an interesting thing to keep in mind as well. Um, my next honorable mention, um, Drew, I feel like this is probably higher up on your on your list, but uh, I went with Hudson Hawk. Um, this is a movie that I've just really liked since the first time I saw it. Um, it's just uh, it's just a really good time. And I've always really loved the first of all, a lot of the characters in it are just really bombastic and awesome and like memorable in like a really great way. But I've always really loved the. Uh, weird sort of uh Leonardo da Vinci um sort of like historical fiction that the movie has to it I've always really loved that too and uh yeah no this is just a solid pick I feel like we've blown up Hudson Hawk so much in the past though <laughs> I don't know how what to say about it now but we've yeah. talked about it heavily um Hudson Hawk uh the big thing I'll say about Hudson Hawk is it is a love it or hate it movie. I feel like there is no middle ground. If you've seen this movie and you love it, you are in the love it category. And if you don't like the movie, it's because you didn't get it and you just hate the movie. 
it's one of the best movies out there. There's some great, um, wonderful, wonderful one-liners. This was this is the movie where after Die Hard, they knew the success. They said, "What do you want to do?" And he said, "I want to do this movie called Hudson Hawk," and wrote them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, but this is a great movie, and I there's I this is one that I would love to pick Bruce Willis's brain about. Um, I know I could never, I know I could never do that now, but it's one that I, if I ever got a chance to talk to him, be like, dude, we got to talk about Hudson Hawk. I got questions. Like just. <laughs> Like what made him put that together? The the cat burglar thing, the adventure that they go on, the using the songs to time the burglaries. And yeah. Just there's just so much brilliance to it that's out of the box thinking that you don't normally get with films. And yeah. That's I think where the movie really stands out. I love it. I think Hudson Hawks is just a wonderful movie. So. It's well. Uh, yeah. One of the weird things I was gonna say is like when I think back on it, I don't understand why the movie's so divisive though. Like I feel like it's one of those movies that everyone would like, but I understand that a lot of people don't like this movie, and it makes me wonder if the movie was maybe a little bit ahead of its time when it came out. Like, um, like there's all the characters who have the like you know they're named after uh, different candy bars, and they kind of have this almost like cartoony comic booky persona and some of the humor is like really silly for like kind of a more action oriented movie and stuff and i kind of wonder if it's just like maybe it ages better than you know people thought and maybe it was a little bit ahead of its time i'm not really sure i just think that might be a possibility though it's hard for me to say that the movie holds up because i really really like this movie so every time i watch it i just yeah stuff so like for me it holds up but i've seen the movie so many times that like i don't see it the way other people do so right you know. <laughs> um yeah anyway um yeah hudson hawk uh awesome uh all right so my next honorable mention is a movie called Last Man Standing. Um, have you ever seen this? I'm honestly not sure if I've seen this. All right. This so is, the best way I would describe this movie is probably like a diehard, but it takes place during 1920s Prohibition. And uh, Bruce Willis, uh, basically traveling through, finds himself in a small town that's doing some... Uh, uh, like speakeasies and stuff? Or distillings and... Distilleries and, and alcohol runs and stuff like that. And it's like 1920s gangster stuff. And you got Bruce Willis in the middle of it being Bruce Willis. And it's a really cool story. Like, I thought, I always thought Prohibition was a really cool era anyway. So yeah. It's a really fascinating time period. So it's like your period piece, but it's an action film. And then you get crazy gun shootout awesomeness. So, like, the action sequences are very diehard esque action sequences. And then you get, like, the period piece story thing about prohibition it's a really cool movie um i wouldn't watch it in the sense of thinking accuracy and like super historical stuff think about it going hey i'm gonna watch a movie about this time <laughs> period and it's got some cool action right sequences. go into it with that mindset because i think you'll have a lot of fun i think the movie got i don't think the reviews for the movie were that great and i think it's you know bruce willis was doing an action movie set in that time period you know um I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun movie. It's really violent, re- like, um, and it's it's definitely more serious than like, because like Die Hard, there's some laughable moments. There's some things you yeah. laugh at. If you you know, um, this is very this is a very serious movie. So, okay, nice. Uh, um, I I can confirm I haven't seen this movie, but it sounds pretty interesting actually. Um, I do have a question: Is Bruce Willis is he more of like a law enforcement character, or is he like a on the side of like the bootleggers and stuff. In I this feel movie, like or? he's kind of like uh, that anti-hero and it's okay. 
kind of a situation. And you're just okay, cool. You're, you're waiting for that. You know, where does he fall on the line as you watch through the movie? So, okay, nice. All right, man. So what do you got for uh, your first actual pick for the night? <laughs> yeah, I kind of forgot that it was my pick right now. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So my first one, um, I actually went with the movie Unbreakable, uh, the M. Night Shyamalan film. Um, this is a movie that I remember when it came out, I really loved. And uh, it had a lot to do with its relationship to comic books. And like just watching a movie like this that um, I don't know, it just felt so like pensive and serious but it had such a tie-in with all these like classic superheroes and stuff that I loved and uh as far as like M. Night Shyamalan movies I like that this is one of the few ones where the you don't have to suspend your belief at all your uh belief at all to uh to get the the twist if that makes sense like the twist is completely acceptable without suspending your uh disbelief because you're already suspending your disbelief with the fact that Bruce Willis has superpowers, you know, like he's unbreakable, like he doesn't get injured, he doesn't get sick. So then when the twist comes, which I could spoil right now, but I feel like maybe I shouldn't, but uh, when the twist comes, it's something very realistic and believable. And I think this movie works a lot better than a lot of the other M night movies because of that, because the, the twist was so believable. Um, this is also a movie that would, you would have thought was such a one and done sort of thing. And it's kind of cool that through uh, split and uh, through glass, which I still haven't seen glass, but it's kind of cool that this movie ended up having its own trilogy and its own, like, mini superhero universe if you will so drew i don't know if you are a fan of this movie or not or what your thoughts are for this one but uh, this is one that i i liked a lot for overall for sure, overall so. i overall i really enjoyed unbreakable i kind of want to watch it again um i know i've become very anti m night channel on over my time but um <laughs> i do i do feel like i want to watch this movie again i did see split i have not watched glass yet but I really liked the concept of what they were trying to do. I mean, Unbreakable came out at a time where there wasn't superhero movies, or if there were, they were very few and far between. Um, and uh, it was definitely a post-Batman and Robin world, and they didn't really know what was going to happen to that kind of a genre, you know? Um, yeah. So I feel like this might have been... I, I feel like X-Men might have came out before this. I'm not really sure, but... I feel at the time X-Men would have been the only thing to really compare this to as far as the tone of the movie and sure. everything like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I don't have too much to say about it cause I, I haven't seen it in so long. Um, right on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So my first one, my first actual one is Luber. Okay. Uh, right. I still haven't seen this movie. <laughs> Really, dude? All right. I've talked heavily <laughs> we've, we've about t- We've discussed this on the show before. But yeah, I still haven't, we I haven't have, seen this one. We have 200, <laughs> epi- 200 episodes. And, you know, like, so. Well, the, the reason I didn't watch it when it came out is because I didn't think Joseph Gordon Lovett and Bruce Willis looked at all like they would be the same person. And I just avoided it because of that. But I hear it's really good and I should probably check it out. But I just still haven't watched it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, well, first off, you should watch it. Um, it's about time travel. If you've listened to anything we've ever talked about time travel, this movie's, I think this movie's fantastic. It's such a good story. Um, I don't need to go too heavily into it because I mean, we, this movie comes up a lot every now and then. Um, but yeah, this looper is really, really, 
really good. It's just so solid. It's Ryan Johnson written and directed. Um, I know Ryan Johnson is a decisive, divisive name right now because of The Last Jedi, but he made Knives Out, and Knives Out's amazing. He did Looper. Um, he did the movie Brick. If you've never seen Brick, you need to see Brick. So good. But this movie's great. Um, yeah, just Looper's awesome. I couldn't not put it on my list. It was really hard. I was like, where does this sit? Because I wanted to put Last Man Standing, and I was like, eh, Looper was a better movie. So, anyway. Nice. Go ahead. Okay. What do you got, what do you got for me? Uh, my next one's a movie we've talked about a ton before, but uh, I went with Sin City. And uh, it's yeah. kind of funny because you think about Sin City and you don't always remember that Bruce Willis was a huge character in this movie. Like, he's he's pretty prominent for about a third of the film, and that's pretty awesome. But I, I think he's got a really compelling story, um, how he kind of becomes this sort of um, like protector and savior of Jessica Alba's character. And uh, he's one of the few characters where I feel like everybody in this movie kind of has their bad side, but he's maybe one of the more redeeming characters in the movie. But I just think his sort of gritty portrayal of this character really worked so well for this movie and uh besides all that like this movie we've talked so much but it's such a uh it has such a stunning memorable look to the film and it's like really experimental in all these really cool ways and uh i don't know it's just it's just a great movie so like i've said we've blown it up in the past so i don't know (laughs) what to say now that we haven't said before you know what i mean but yeah that's my next pick yeah um no, since I really, really like Sin City, this is probably one of the most faithful comic book adaptation films there is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 definitely a world that you didn't understand. Like, when you first saw the trailer for it, you're like, oh, my God, they nailed it. And when you find out how they, like, filmed some of the stuff, like, you know, to make the world look the way it did in the comic books, it's really fascinating. Um and it's interesting that the Bruce Willis story, I always loved reading it. The, the Nancy Callahan stuff, I loved reading it. Yeah. I didn't like it as much as I liked. Um, so you have like you have like the Marv story and then you have yeah. um, the Clive Owen story, uh, the Dwight story. And then you have the Nancy Callahan story. For some reason, it was funny because I always the Nancy Callahan stuff. I I always loved that story within the Sin City stuff. And then I after seeing the movie, I ended up liking the Dwight stuff just a little bit more. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, Can we get more of that. This was awesome. Like, you know, so I always was a big fan of the Marv stuff, to be honest. Um, yeah. Like, I think I first saw the movie and I thought it all was good. But I remembered a lot when I was in college, I was watching this movie with one of my friends and he really glommed on to Marv, and he's like, dude, everything this character does is badass. <laughs> and it made me, like, see him in a new light. I'm like, yeah, he's just such a bad char- badass character. Everything <laughs> he does is cool, and it kind of made me appreciate Marv a lot more. Yeah. Um, just this movie's great. Um, yeah, we've talked about Sin City a lot. All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> all right, the next movie on my list is a movie called Lucky Number Slevin. Have we talked about this before? I think so. I I actually haven't seen this one. As haven't well. seen this one. Yeah. This is a this is a cool like two mob bosses fighting with each other. They're having a feud, but they live across the street from each other, and they're basically playing this bizarre chess game with their little minions, and like their control of the city and stuff. And in the middle of all of it, this kid's parents get caught in the crossfire, and this kid becomes orphaned, and 
Bruce Willis takes in the kid, like, raises him and teaches him about, like, you know, getting revenge and being like the mob hitman and kind of thing. And you're being told this story in this really weird backwards way of, like, learning who people are. And then you find out that the person this is sorry to spoil this, but you find out that the person who you were following the whole time is the kid. And like the way it all plays out, you're just like, wow, that was it's just well put together because for the longest time, you think the kid's one of the mob guys or something like that. You're not 100 percent sure. Um, But it's a really, really cool, fun mystery. And I say fun because you're kind of in it for the ride. Like you don't know where it's going. But, like, everything that's happening along the way feels fresh and funny and lighthearted until it, like, starts getting dark. And, you know, so um, I always really enjoyed this movie. It's it's It does feel, the, my one criticism is the pacing gets, bounces around a little bit. So it feels like it's a lengthy film. Um, so. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's my <laughs> one criticism. But I really, really enjoy this movie. So, anyway, go ahead. You're next. Awesome. Okay, nice. So uh, my next pick, I actually went with uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, So Die Hard 3, basically. And uh, this is a movie that we've talked a lot about before as well, so I don't really know what all to say. But I think I really appreciated the sort of... uh, My favorite aspect of this movie is the fact that that you're dealing with a bomber and how there's all these bombs that you have Bruce Willis and uh, Samuel L. Jackson characters are trying to uh, make sure that these bombs don't go off. And there's kind of like a puzzle for like a lot of them. And it's one of those things where while you're watching the movie, you're also strategizing and trying to figure out the game. And I think the movie's super engrossing in that regard. Like it's, I love any, any kind of crime movie that kind of, brings you in on the mystery and starts making you try to figure stuff out. I think that's just a really cool effect. And I think this movie does that so well that I absolutely love it. But with all that being said, like this is John McClane back again for another awesome adventure. Like this is another diehard film. Of course, you know, we're all going to love it. So uh, yeah, that's my number three pick. Um, yeah. And we like, and there's not much I can add to it because we've talked about diehard with a vengeance a lot um, in the past. Yeah. Aside from Die Hard being an amazing movie, Die Hard 2 is the one that wasn't as well liked by fans. And then Die Hard 3, everyone says, feels like it, the what you should have gotten with Die Hard 2. Um, that, you know, it, it has the feel of the first one again. Um, the reason might be that John McTarran directed the first and the third one. <laughs> Just saying. Um, because those were directed by the same guy. But... Um, Right. Yeah, no, I, I really, really like Die Hard 3, and there was a little time there that I thought that might be I might like it more than Die Hard 1, but um, I don't know. Die Hard 1 is still, like, the most superior of the three. Of the Absolutely. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so my next pick is a movie called The Last Boy Scout. Have you ever seen this movie? Yes, but it's been a long it's been a long time for this one as well. So you'll this definitely have more to say than me. <laughs> Last Boy Scout may be one of the best Bruce Willis movies. This is uh, it's a movie about a football player who gets caught up in a murder investigation. And Bruce Willis is the cop that goes to help the football player figure out who you know the murder was. And there's a whole drug scandal and all that stuff. Um, this would this is one where the cast was so well pieced together. And then it's an amazing script. 
Um, but like the mystery that unfolds, the character backstories, the way Bruce Willis's backstories woven into it with the football players and like, and there's some young names like so Damon Wayans is in the movie, Halle Berry's in the movie, but this is when Damon Wayans and Halle Berry were like nobodies and they hadn't mm-hmm. built career yet so you're you know when you, if you were to watch it now you're like oh crap Halle Berry's in this you know what I mean so um there's some of like this and I don't want to call it cameos because at the time they weren't cameos you know yeah absolutely um, but this is it's such a good movie like every bit's amazing I don't think there's one bad scene in this movie it's so good um so yeah last boy scout check it out it's just phenomenal um yeah nice yeah anyway <laughs> uh what do you got Okay, so my second to last pick, um, I'm going to go with uh, The Fifth Element, actually, which figured, is another movie. I figured you were going to bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is another movie we've talked about so much on the show, but it's just such a solid, like, sci-fi movie. Like, I feel like it came out in a time where it was before the Star Wars prequels and we didn't have that, and uh, The Matrix hadn't come out yet, and I feel like it came out in this weird mid to late 90s time period where we didn't have a lot of crazy big sci-fi franchises going on and it kind of really in my opinion like for a lot of people it really quenched that that thirst for like a good sci-fi space opera or something like that and uh I don't know I just think this movie is it's a fun time like it's there's some really cool concepts in it there's there's a good story there's a lot of awesome action and it's one of those things where it's like if you're going to have a badass space sci-fi futuristic sort of story why not have bruce willis in it kicking some ass you know what i mean (laughs) so i don't really know what to say about this one that we haven't said before but uh no it's a great movie it's great fun there's also a lot of really great quotable lines like i was thinking about the uh meat popsicle line earlier today and stuff like that but uh i don't know (laughs) if you have any thoughts you wanted to add for the fifth element drew um the fifth element stuff um it's i mean it's diehard in space man Um, yeah absolutely (laughs) um it kind of is in a lot of ways that you don't realize while watching it but even like you know they're in like this giant space cruise ship hotel thing and yeah it's it's diehard in space (laughs) it was like dude we're gonna make a star wars movie we want to we want to try and capture that feel of Star Wars, but we want Bruce Willis, so we're gonna have to make it a diehard film, mm-hmm. and then do this whole thing about saving the planet, so you can bring it back home to Earth. And you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> um, one of my favorite parts about uh, Fifth Element is Gary Oldman. I know we're talking about Bruce Willis, but Gary Oldman is a villain. Yeah, absolutely. In this movie. Um, and then, you know, Bruce Willis is just fun because of like his, you know, the way he, you know, tackles the problems um, and like, you know, deals with like Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like there's just some great moments in the film. Uh, <laughs> and then I also <laughs> love I love how flawed of a character he is too, like how like sarcastic and like he's the type of guy who doesn't have all his shit together, but he's also like a total badass. And I, I really like that sort of flawed hero aspect to him, but no, what were you saying though? I feel oh, like I was you're... just going to say that, um, uh, it's a world that it's a very flushed out futuristic world. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a world that if it, like you feel like you could live in it, like it would be a real world that we would live in today. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that was really cool. Like it felt gritty. It felt, you know, you know, it felt real, um, where some futuristic worlds feel, in my opinion, a little too clean. 
Um, yeah, I would agree you know, with when that. You, when you talk about movies, and that might be why like Star Wars feels real a lot of times because it's a gritty film, you know. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Anyway, anyway, um, my second to last one, um, Hudson Hawk. Um, okay, nice. <laughs> Um, I love this movie, and uh, I don't have much to say about it other than everybody should go see Hudson Hawk. So. Nice. <laughs> um, I guess it's up to you, and I feel like we matched on the final one for the night. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah. Which happens a lot. But. <laughs> so, um, yeah, absolutely. I actually wasn't sure if we were going to be talking about uh, Pulp Fiction at all, but that's like the one movie that barely didn't make my list. But uh, oh. <laughs> I actually went with uh, Die Hard for my last pick, yeah, which same. it's funny because I feel like we've talked so much about the original Die Hard. And it's uh, that's a movie that has been the top of multiple lists of ours as well, I think. Um, so that's really funny. But, yeah, that's that's what I had. Did you say we matched for this one? That's for sure. Um, nice. <laughs> I, I really feel, you know, we've talked about Die Hard so much. This might be the first movie I ever saw Bruce Willis in. OK. I, you know, and I, it's one of his it's literally it's Die Hard is his first movie. But um, I honestly, I can't, I don't know if I ever saw one of his other movies first. This might be the very first Bruce Willis movie I ever saw with a lot of people in terms of it being his first movie. But my point is the fact that I feel like I should have seen something else before I saw this, but I don't think I did. Um, But the brilliance of this movie is, and like I've said it before, it's the writing and how tight the script is. And it's something I think about sometimes when I write as, you know, even even if I'm writing something simple that has nothing to do with action sequences, my brain thinks, is it die hard enough? And meaning die hard doesn't take place. If you look at a movie like um, let's look at a movie like Inception, phenomenal movie, but it takes place over the course of several days. Right. Yeah. Die hard takes place over the matter of a couple hours. It's like one night in this skyscraper and it's literally like he probably gets to the skyscraper around five o'clock the whole thing's done by like what 10 maybe midnight like it's it's a very tight window for all that stuff to happen and when you think about how it all plays out it's just a really tight concise film and i love how tight that is and i think sometimes like and i'm not talking like if i'm writing something does it have to um does it have to take place over a matter of like hours but I'm, I'm always thinking, like, is it tight and concise enough? Yeah. Like, no holes and stuff like that, you know? So um, I always I, like using Die Hard as a benchmark because of that reason. It's such, it's so, um, uh, uh, compact. Con- concise. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was trying well, I th- to another th- word than just concise. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really good thing to point out. Um, I don't know if I've thought about that with Die Hard, but it's totally true. Like, this is a movie that doesn't waste words. It doesn't waste scenes. Like, I feel like you couldn't really edit out any scenes from this movie and still have it flow as well. And I don't think you could really you would really need to add anything in. And uh, I mean, correct. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the movie starts with uh, Bruce Willis's plane is landing. And it's one of those things like 
you don't need to see his plane take off. You just need to see it landing, it land. And then his, uh, you know, brief discussion with the person next to him. And, you know, that establishes that he's a cop and stuff. And it's like, it is really a really economic way to tell the story where they don't waste your time at all. And that's a really good thing to point out, you know? Yeah. And like you said, they, every scene, every line, everything matters to the story and they give you everything you need to know about everything, all the side characters, main characters, villains, heroes, everything, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Anyway, um, that kind of brings us to the end of the list, man. Um, right on. No, Bruce Willis, you're going to be missed. Um, so, um, but you're going to live on because I'm going to end up watching Die Hard every Christmas like I always do. And I uh, got to watch, you know, Hudson Hawk again. And I really feel like on the list, these on my list, I own I'm, I don't own Last Boy Scout and I don't own Last Man Standing, um, which I feel like I should fix that. <laughs> so. <laughs> Though you were just saving those for last, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, anyway, man, what are we doing next week? Because next week is your pick. Yeah, so um, speaking of Die Hard, um, I was thinking about that movie a lot while putting my list together, of course. And I was thinking a little bit about the villain in the movie that Bruce Willis is playing opposite of. And I thought it'd be fun to do our top five Alan Rickman movies next week. Oh, right on. All right. <laughs> so Die Hard will probably be on that list as well. But Alan Rickman's been in a lot of other really great movies. So I think that'd be a fun list to tackle. <laughs> and he's been in a lot of Harry Potter movies. So that might make an appearance. I, I uh, guarantee I'm going to mention one, but I'm not going to fill my list with a bunch of Harry Potter movies. <laughs> sure. I'll save you from that. So I got you. All right, man. All right. Well, Alan Rickman sounds good. Um, so, well, everybody, um, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. You're going to toss this episode in the can, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, everyone, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Um, you can hit us up there on social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, you can review us in those places. Uh, we love those five stars, but we understand criticism and it helps because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can also subscribe to us in those places. And if you do so, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be trying to figure out what would happen if Da Vinci's hang glider was shot through NASA's spin launch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, same here. Um, all right, dude, well, I'm going to um, take that with a grain of salt right now. Um, that's going to keep me thinking for a while. Um, all right, everybody, the top five report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening. Have a good night. Uh.